2: Fasten your seatbelts. We may be in for a ride this week that's bumpier than Santa's display. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Evie Wagner, along with Steve Sprovak. A lot going on this week. Even usually in December, we're kind of downshifting. Not a lot of economic news this time of year. Not a lot of people paying attention to it. You're decorating. You're Christmas shopping. Yet this year... Everything is different. Joining us tonight, of course, is Andy Stout, our chief investment officer, making sense of what's going on with the markets and the economy. And I want to start with something that on the surface, Andy, doesn't make sense. Economic data that came in last week says, hey, the American economy looking pretty strong and markets, they hated it. So let's talk about what that data was and and why would markets hate that?
4: Right. So we're in this period where good news is bad news and bad news is good news last week we got some good economic news and the markets did not like it so it was bad for the markets because a lot of last week's data and really some data over the past uh, few weeks and few months showed that the u.s economy is on relatively solid footing if you look at how quickly the economy is growing right now you know just based on the data that's come in so far the u.s economy is tracking at a growth rate close to 3% in that general area. That becomes a problem because it indicates that there could be more inflationary pressures because when the economy is growing, consumer demand increases and that demand can increase prices. And that's what the Fed's worried about. So if you have more inflationary pressures, that means the Fed will be forced to keep its uh, tough uh, aggressive stance to fight inflation. So in other words, keep raising rates or keeping rates higher longer. And that's the concern right now, that the Fed's monetary policy remains more restrictive uh, than what was anticipated a few weeks ago.
2: As they talk about the Federal Reserve, our nation's central bank, and the fact that this is a big week, it is one of the main reasons is because the Fed is meeting this week and will announce the next round of rate hikes. Andy, we don't expect that they're going to do something unexpected here right we've been talking about a half a point hike uh any chance that they could go higher than that and is really the concern what happens beyond that the steps that the fed takes into 2023
4: yeah you're exactly right i mean if you look at where the market pricing is as it relates to the federal reserve and what they might do this week there's a 90% chance that they have a half point hike there's currently about a 10% chance that they do a Another three-quarter point rate hike. They've already done four of those in a row. Yeah. Uh, But it's pretty much set in stone, barring something happening in the next couple of days. And we do get an updated uh, inflation CPI print, by the way, on Tuesday, the day before uh, the federal hike rates. So when we look at that, to answer your question, I think it's pretty much set in stone because CPI is decelerating. So that's a good thing. Peak inflation is behind us we're not at low inflation we're not at normal inflation but we're moving in the right direction to where the Fed will most likely raise rates by half a point but heading into 2023 there's a lot of unknowns right now the market is expecting the Fed to raise rates by a total for all of the year somewhere between a half point and three quarters of a point for the entirety of 2023 so there's not too much more in rate hikes and actually in the second half of next year amy the market's actually pricing in that the fed starts to cut rates because the economy would be slowing down at that point now whether or not the fed only hikes by half to three quarters of a point next year that will really be determined by how inflation evolves over time
2: I was just going to say, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but I can think back to not that long ago, you know, just several months ago, and the talk and the predictions were that in 2023, rates would go down at the beginning of the year, starting at the beginning of the year. Now we're saying, okay, not so much. We're looking at a half-point hike, uh two or three-quarter point hike, or, or total hike, Um but even just a month or so ago, they were kind of topping out at a half-a-point hike, so... I guess I'm just saying I don't necessarily believe uh, what the economists are predicting at this point, because we've seen so many changes this year. I can't imagine that we won't continue to see those going into 2023. But do you think we have seen maybe the worst of it?
4: Most likely, I mean if you look at where we're at right now with interest rates and the progression we've had this year where it's been just so abrupt coming off zero to you know, currently four percent by the end of the week we're probably at four and a half percent as a top part of the the feds range uh, you know if if that repeats in 2023 amy well just in terms of a linear perspective we're at a nine percent interest rate so let's yeah. hope The worst is behind us from that. And I'm pretty sure we are from that perspective, because if you look at what's going on in the inflation environment, you know, things are improving. There's been a few key areas where we're seeing inflation improve. The supply chain's gotten a lot better. You can see that in terms of backlogs uh, declining and supply delivery times decreasing. So that's good from that perspective. Also, there's no more... uh, uh, vessels or ships waiting off the coast of California, waiting to onboard. Those are all gone. We're down to zero there. So the supply chain's definitely gotten a lot better. One of the another factor affecting inflation has been the rise of commodity prices, oil, for example, and it's come down a lot lately. Uh, you know, it, at the end of last week, we traded at the lowest level for all of 2023, around $71 a barrel, and that's obviously welcome news to consumers. Because you're going to have you know more to spend, and you can increase your savings. Uh, but from an inflation perspective, lower commodity prices feeds into the supply chain, uh, bringing down costs because obviously. Commodities in general are a big factor when we look at the cost to actually make something. So we're seeing some improvement there. Supply chain, lower commodity prices, not just oil. I mean, pretty much every commodity is lower when you when you look across the board. And these are things that are working in the Fed's favor. These are things that will allow the Fed to slow down the rate hikes and pause. I think the bigger question is, how long do they pause on the rate hikes? Fed Chair Powell has been pretty consistent in saying, people, investors, you need to be ready for higher rates for longer, meaning they're not cutting rates as quickly. At least that's what he's trying to say as quickly as what the market's pricing in, which is rate rate cuts beginning in the second half of next year. I don't think Fed Chair Powell wants to really put that message out there.
2: You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. Andy Stout, our chief investment officer, is joining us as he does every Monday, making sense of what hasn't made a lot of sense this year, right? What's going on with the markets and the economy? Talking about a lot of supply chain issues being resolved, which is... Great, great progress, of course, from where we were this time last year. But then we also had China with this zero COVID policy and completely on lockdown. Andy, that seems to be resolving, which I'm going to assume will kind of add to a lot of these supply chain issues also being resolved.
4: Yeah, so China's shifting away from zero COVID to a reopening and what that means is it means they're regular lockdowns of tens of millions of people i mean it's really hard to think about it i mean there's a lot of cities the size of new york city in china and mm-hmm. they're just regularly locking down i mean just think about that how how would that work if you just really locked down new york city i mean some a, a city of that size and and china has a few of those cities that large and that's a pretty common thing over in china so the the shifting away from that will certainly help the uh, overall supply chain. However, you know I think there might be some chaos here in the near term when you look at China because the, the changes they're making uh, they're happening pretty quickly, pretty abruptly, without China being able to have set a, a good stage in terms of the transition itself. And the part that worries me on on the transition, and I you know it needs to be done. I'm all in the favor of no lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is that. The cases are still elevated in China at at very high levels. And that's going to, I think, create a lot of confusion as to what the government's actually doing. So it's going to be pretty chaotic over there from that perspective. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, But in the longer term, it's certainly a good thing for supply chains. But expect some chaos in China in the near run.
2: And it's just been a crazy year. I think every time someone checks their 401k, their balance is likely down. You're paying more at the grocery store and in every bill that you pay for those as we we round out 2022 heading into 23 start, people start thinking about should i should i do anything differently in 2023 as an investor what is your response there
4: well when i'm thinking about investors certainly it's been a, a challenging year i yes. mean the last few months have been pretty good you know the large cap stocks are up roughly 15 percent 10 12 15 since the start of this quarter on uh, october 1st however the first three quarters they weren't good obviously no question about that yeah. and if you think about 2023 and you think about the risks that are out there right there's the risk that the fed you know hikes too much and pushes us into a recession there's the risk of the fed hikes too little or takes their foot off the the gas pedal and inflation becomes entrenched. It's also possible things could happen much more smoothly. uh, And we have this, uh, the Pollyanna environment, if you will, who knows if we get this Goldilocks environment or not. There's a lot of uncertainty out there right now. There's no question about it. And I think when you have that uncertainty out there, it's really tempting for investors to want to go to cash and wait it out. But I have a question for you. Amy, how long do you wait it out?
2: Right. When when's does the right the all... time to get back in? Yes, exactly.
4: Yeah, when's the all clear signal come? Because guess what, Amy? If you look back at the history of time, uncertainty is always present. Yep. I mean, I, I can give you, you know, chart after chart or event after event over the past 50 years. And guess what? You know, the, the market's headed higher in spite of all of the bad things that have happened. So what I like to call that is essentially, you know, a, a wall of worry, if you will. So when you think about, you know, what's happened over the past, you know, just 20 years, right? You've had for 20, 30 years, you've had Gulf Wars. You've had, you know, nine eleven. You've had uh, the Great Recession. You've had COVID nineteen. You had the tech bubble. Go back a little bit further. You know, Tiananmen Square, the Black mm-hmm. Monday crash, uh Iranian hostage crisis. Watergate, JFK. Especially. I could go on and on. Obviously, you sound like Bad a Billy Joel song. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> I like that song a lot.
2: <laughs> we didn't start but, the fire. We didn't, no. um, but the markets always rebound after the fire, right? Yeah.
4: It's, That's said perfectly.
2: (laughs) Why, thank you. Here's the all worth advice big market fluctuations, expect them this week and probably moving forward. But remember, this is short term volatility. Hopefully, you have a long term plan for your money. Coming up next, will the public finally hear from FTX's disgraced founder? And why now could be the perfect time to shape up your financial wellness? You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Spravak. If you can't listen every night, well, we've got a daily podcast you can subscribe to. Just go search Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you turn to to find your podcast. Coming up at 643, women, listen up while you might want to invest a little differently than maybe you have been. Lots of talk about crypto, and at the center of all that talk and all of the headlines for weeks and weeks now has been FTX's founder Sam Fried, er, Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, who is now, I guess, expected to testify on Capitol Hill this week. Can't imagine what he'll say about what possibly could have gone wrong there.
5: <laughs> I, I, I we're already calling him SBF because Sam Bankman-Fried is just too long. Too much. Hey, you know what they're gonna You know what they're gonna ask him, Amy? I, I, I don't know if you remember the old. Wendy's commercial where it was. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? They're, yes, they're, of course. Yeah, they're they're going to ask Sammy boy, where's the money? I mean, yes. it's not just a few bucks that's missing. I mean, we're talking maybe a couple of billion dollars yeah. that, that's gone. Um, it, it, What's he going to say? I was out that day. Somebody else did it. I I don't know. But this is serious. This is a mess.
2: When I don't even know, like the the, the questions have questions have questions because yeah. there's so many issues and it's just like, gosh, this was held up. Let me remind you, is the, the gold standard in crypto exchanges. Yet once information is starting to get out about exactly how this organization was run it's downright scary no one knows who's actually working there <laughs> yeah. who's who's doing what where money is uh you know it, it almost is like a bunch of smoke and mirrors that that existed for a lot longer than it probably should have when you look at the actual way the organization was structured oh, Why?
5: Yeah, You know, the, the, the guy who unraveled Enron, which was an absolute mess, is the same guy that was put in charge of unraveling this mess. And, and he can't make heads or tails of it. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, it, it's a good thing Sam's um, mom and dad are professors at Stanford, especially his dad. His, his dad is a uh, law. Well, they're both law professors. His dad's specialty is tax policy. <laughs> so, um, and by the way, Mom and Dad happened to buy a sixteen million dollar vacation home, which I don't think you do on a professor's salary, so I'm guessing they're probably tied in in some way to this whole mess. And uh, Mom just retired. Um, she said it was planned for a long time, but it happened to be right around when this started unraveling, there's going to be a lot of layers. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of layers to this that I, I think Congress is going to try to get to the bottom of. But this is this is going to be litigated and and talked about for for years and years, because it's it's not just a it makes Madoff look look like petty change. I, I mean, this is a big deal.
2: Yeah. Well, Well, not only that, I think there's every every member of Congress wants to hear from this guy to figure out what the heck went wrong. Uh, In some cases, he's planning to testify. In other cases, they haven't even heard from him. You've got Sherrod Brown from here in Ohio um, asking him to to appear there, and he and his attorneys didn't respond before that deadline passed. So uh, he's saying, "Yeah, too busy. (laughs) Yeah,
5: Yeah, exactly. Too busy on the beach in the Bahamas." Yes. Yeah, exactly. So,
2: so, yeah, so Cher Brown saying we're going to continue to work on having him appear before oh, Congress. Goes. We'll see how this one all turns out. Yeah. You know, we, we talk all the time about how important it is to save and invest, but a new study actually shows that this year, probably more than any other year, a lot of people are struggling to do that, and I think it's, Steve, because there's so many kind of short-term pressures that we have right now, right? Your 401k balance is down, everything that you're paying for is up, and what we see, and I, and I don't think this is a good thing at all, is that retirement seems to be taking a backseat.
5: Yeah, it does, and I'm I'm not sure it's as serious as maybe you you think, Amy. I don't know. Fidelity every year does a New Year's financial resolution study. 14 years they've been doing it, and, and they found more than half of Americans are focusing on short-term savings right now. Well, yeah, I, I mean if you go to Kroger, you know it's your, it's yeah. like wait a second that cost me 60 bucks uh, this time last year. Now it's 110. Wait wait a second, what's going on here? So I I think people are addressing what's screaming at them right now. And the reason I'm not that surprised by it, I guess, is all right, you set up your 401k, you have whatever percentage you have going into it, and then you kind of put it on autopilot. I I mean, you and I would both say, well, maybe you should set up a financial plan so you know what percentage you need to go into it Mm -hmm. first, and then maybe rebalance it every year. But, you know, is it a bad thing that people are taking a hard look at getting rid of credit card debt and setting emergency fund goals? If it takes this to do it, maybe maybe that's a good thing. I don't know.
2: Here's what I know, though, doing the show for so many years, we've had so many people write in or call in and and ask this question about which should I prioritize, right? Yeah. Paying down debt or saving. And it's like both. And yes, all the things. (laughs) Yeah. All the above. Yes, and I, and I and it doesn't necessarily bother me that, that people are saying, hey, we're going to prioritize paying down debt or saving for uh, an emergency fund because we would say that emergency fund is the foundation of that plan it without a doubt. Yeah. It doesn't bother me necessarily that people are saying those are the priorities now. My concern is if you are turning off the retirement spigot altogether and nothing is yeah. going into that – And I have heard of people ask me in Kroger and other places, hey, every time I check my 401k balance, it's down now. I'm just I'm just thinking about cashing out. Should I just if and if I don't cash out, maybe I just should quit putting money in it for a while so it can't lose anymore. Uh, And I think that way of thinking is what has me concerned.
5: Well, and I agree with you 100%. I I did have somebody say maybe I, uh, to me, maybe I um, should stop putting money in my 401k. It doesn't seem to be working out real well. Why is the stock market the only place that when things are cheaper, people get scared? I I, I mean, you know, when things are cheap, you, you generally say, oh, wow, I'm glad I can put Money into it and get more stuff. I, I mean, that's that's the good thing about the market. As long as you buy into it, always comes back and it always does. So, yeah, I, I, that's that's disturbing. But yeah, you know, it'll probably be like my exercise New Year's resolution. It goes out the window by the third week of January. So you know, it's yeah. You know, we'll see how this shakes out. But you know, seriously, I think 2023 for a lot of people is going to be the year of living sensibly. You know, no, don't just you know.
3: according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
2: I also want to point out another thing because this, this does bother me. Fidelity also found that a third of Americans say, you're in worse financial shape right now than you were last year. You know, yeah. we're huge proponents of looking at your net worth year after year. And the point of that is that it, it, you continue to build on it, right? You see that momentum. If you're not seeing that momentum, if you are moving backwards, then we would say, you know, take a, take a hard look at why that is happening. Obviously, inflation is affecting everyone. Um, here's the all worth advice. Now may be the best time to refocus your efforts on financial wellness. That could mean saving what you would normally spend right now coming up got the 12 days of christmas how about the 12 scams of christmas what you need to be watching out for so that you're not a victim of the grinch you're listening to simply money here on 55 krc the talk station you're listening to simply money i'm amy wagner along with steve sprovac all right everyone loves the 12 days of christmas but we do not love are the 12 scams of Christmas. And honestly, there's not just 12. There's so many more. That's why Josie Ehrlich joins us tonight. She's president and CEO, of course, of the Better Business Bureau of Northern Kentucky, Southern Ohio, Southeast Indiana. She's, she's got it all covered. <laughs> she's just We got it covered, yeah. She's got it covered, and she's also got scams covered because I think new ones pop up every year, and then they just get more advanced on the same old thing from last year. So what do we need to know
1: about So we covered some of them last month and we got more. Free gift cards, you know, free, everybody wants free, nothing is free, especially (laughs) during the holidays. Sure. Scammers are are looking to take advantage of all the holiday distractions that we're all caught up in right now and they're sending bulk phishing emails offering free gift cards, hoping you're not going to pay attention to where the email is actually from. They are impersonating legitimate companies, you name it, the companies we all know and love. They're pretending to be those companies and promising free gift cards to reward you, their loyal customers. They could also be sending pop up ads or texts with links saying you were randomly selected as a winner of a free gift card or some other prize. Don't let the hustle and bustle of the season cause you to fall for their tricks. If you get an unsolicited email, with offers of free gift cards or free anything, delete, delete, delete. You know, Jesse, you
2: and I were just talking about, like, off the air, how busy things are this time of the year. So to your point, it's you're so distracted. I can see how it's so much easier not to have your guard up this time of year. Another kind of scam, and this is one I don't know that I'd fall for because I'm always the Bahumberg. About humbug person about this, I hate gift exchanges like the the work ones and things like that. I, I always feel like did I get enough? Is this the right thing? But now these are popping up on social media
1: they are uh, this time of year we always seem to see some variation this social media has been going on now for about four or five years you know that old pyramid scheme uh, where you send a dollar to the name at the top of the list
2: uh-huh. then you
1: add your name to the bottom of the list and you send this off to 10 friends and they're a dollar to do the a
2: recipe a book I've seen every version of it yes
1: you got that And at the end you're supposed to have hundreds of dollars when your name gets to the top of the list well these days it's not a dollar they're asking more for ten dollars to uh. for you to give to a stranger to pay it forward. You know, that old, warm, fuzzy uh, saying that people talk about, do something nice now and, and you're, you'll get yours in the end. You're paying um, it
2: forward to the pocket of the scammer, I'm assuming here.
1: To, to the scammer, to some, at least to some stranger. Um, yeah. In other versions of this, you're asked to send a gift of wine or send a t- $10 gift online and you'll Allegedly, when this is all done, you're going to end up with a cellar full of wine and lots of $10 gifts. Mm. There's even a twist about sending a gift to a secret Santa dog when you buy a gift for your secret dog. In all of these versions, you're unwittingly sharing your personal information along with those of your family and friends that you've added to this list with potential scammers. Not to mention that you're spending money and mailing gifts and spending money to do that to people you don't even know. Call it what you like. It's still a pyramid scheme, and you're not going to be getting any money or wine or gifts from anybody. And in fact, you could be the subject of jail time, fines, or a lawsuit for mail fraud.
2: You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. I hope you're listening closely right now because this is one of the most important segments that we do. Joseph Ehrlich from the Better Business Bureau is joining us tonight with scams, especially scams we see this time of year Holiday-themed ads? Those are issues?
1: Uh, Yes. You know, the app stores right now have dozens of holiday-themed apps where your children can video chat with Santa or light a menorah, track Santa's sleigh, or do Mm. some holiday-related thing. Before you let your child download any app, know what data that app is collecting and know what they might do with that data and whether that's okay with you. You know, do you want your child's personal information sitting in some strange database that may share or sell that information to who knows who for who knows what purpose without your knowledge? Now, another thing to be aware of with this app story is that many apps that are listed as free have in-app purchases that your child could access. So you need to make sure that your child's device is set to require a password for every download they might attempt to make or you could find yourself with a lot of unexpected charges on your credit card.
2: Several years ago, I was talking to this woman in a store, and she was so upset because she had bought Uggs for her granddaughter for Christmas. They were really hard to get at the time. It was a certain pair. She found them on a website. She paid, you know, maybe a little less money than you would expect. She thought she got a good deal. They never came. The website turned out not to be legit. This is this is still happening out there, I'm assuming, too?
1: It It's a. Uh... Definitely happening. When you buy something from a store or a website that you don't know, we always recommend that you check out that website or store with BBB.org to understand exactly who you are dealing with. Um, scammers use that selling something at a lower price as a way to entice you in. You are never going to get that product. Uh, the be- excuse me, the better the discount, the less likely you are of getting the, the product.
2: What about pop-up holiday virtual events? I know pop-up events have gotten huge over the past couple of years, and I hear about people talking about holiday-themed ones pretty often now.
1: Yes, you know, since the pandemic, many of those in-person events, uh, like the holiday events you were just referring to, or the craft fairs, had to move online and Mm -hmm. some of those uh, event organizers are continuing to host those online events as well as their in-person fairs and that of course creates the perfect setup for a scam scammers replicate these fake event websites Uh, they use social posts and emails mimicking these markets to confuse you into buying bogus products again that you'll never get just as you referenced before Uh, unfortunately they will get access to your credit card information and any other personal information that uh, you have entered onto their site. Before spending your money on these events, make sure the website advertising the event is the real deal by Googling the event itself.
3: Mm, Don't
1: access the site via any social media link or email link.
2: What about fake charities? Because this is definitely the time of the year when we talk about charitable giving, right? End of year giving. What charities um, are near and dear to your heart? But I also know that for a lot of people, it's a cause. Breast cancer, American veterans, whatever it is. And there's not necessarily a specific charity. So when something pops up on social media and it's something that you care about, um, people can easily jump on that.
1: Right, and you mentioned earlier about the hustle and bustle of the season and people are rushing to and fro, and they're not really thinking like they might at other times of the year. The last few weeks of the year are always a popular time for charitable donations. So you know scammers are going to be there with uh, pleas for uh, causes uh, or using charitable names that are very similar to – legitimate charities yeah and it's very easy for you to misconstrue that you know there's thousands of legitimate cancer charities and you twist a word here or there it's not the same thing that you think you are donating to they are counting on your generous spirit this holiday seeing season to outweigh your good sense and you know you don't have time to really think about it now is the time that you have to think about it do your homework before you give and legitimate charities, you know, they will take your money tomorrow, next month, two months from now, just as well, and they will be just as grateful as if you gave it to them today during the holiday season. The, the charities don't care yeah. Christmas or March.
2: What time they of just year? care
1: that you care about them enough to support them. There's so much
2: money just flying around this time of the year. I just think there's just so Mm -hmm. much to do that we are not as intentional. We don't stop. We're not as deliberate as we should be. So tonight, great reminders, as always, from Josiel Ehrlich, from the Cincinnati Better Business Bureau. Scams you need to be aware of this time of year. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. Mm -hmm. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Do you have a financial question you want us to answer? Easy way to get it to us. There's a red button you click on while you're listening to the show on the iHeart app. Record that question, and it's coming straight to us. Are you back to the office, and why are you back there? Coming up, we're going to explain what a new study says, the shift that we've seen in why people actually go to work. You know, the concepts of investing are pretty universal. Yet, Steve, it's interesting because study after study does show a difference um, in how much women versus men have when it comes to retirement, how we invest. Uh, Sometimes there's different approaches. Often, though, it's circumstances. I I think about myself. When um, my second was was born, actually after my first was born, I had the opportunity to work part time, and right. you know I, I went from working seventy hours a week to actually you know twenty hours a week. It was a great thing for my family, but from an from a money standpoint, right? Uh, if you were to look at my social security and my thirty top years of working, those years are going to be f- uh, far lower in earnings.
5: Well yeah, I mean there are are massive ramifications to one of the spouses taking time off and, and, you know, having less money coming in because that, that's how your social security benefit is going to be calculated based on your earnings. And, and, you know, if you're not putting in money into a 401k, you're going to have less retirement savings. And when you look at the big picture, Amy, that the numbers are staggering. You've got 60% of, of female respondents saying that they report, they, they retired Earlier than planned, and two thirds of that group did it for reasons that, in their view, was completely outside of their uh, their control. Um, but you know, I, I dive into that a little bit deeper and say, okay, generally, if one of the spouses is going to take time off to help out with the kids, it's usually going to be the female. I, I know in my case, Anne took time off after our second was born, a- and she didn't go back to work for years. Uh, and did when she did go back, it was on a volunteer basis. So, you know, her Social Security benefit is a fraction uh, of mine. Her retirement savings is a fraction of mine. But, you know, in the overall scheme of things, it's all part of the same family unit. It's it's not hers and mine. It, it's what can the two of us re- retire on. And, and, you know, that to me is more critical than who has how much money out out of the couple. I, I, I don't know if you agree. I got a funny feeling you may disagree with that.
2: Well, I, 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 I totally agree with the fact that you, you want to hit
5: say, me right now. I can see
2: that. <laughs> No, I don't want to hit you. I just want to say that you are lucky, right? You and Anne, that you you are still married, right? But but look at it okay. from my perspective. Okay. okay, so you know my husband and I were fine at the time when I was working part time, uh, and then but then later, you know, years later, we decided to get a divorce, and I am remarried now, and and, and fine financially. But if you were to look at, okay, we made that decision as a unit then but you're not guaranteed that you're going to always be that unit and so what right. the best laid plan was when i was 32 years old uh you know when i was 42 looked very different and and so i am not saying that um that that you can't do this and it can't work out just fine. But I do think you have to think through all of the possible scenarios and and women on average often leave the workforce twice once when kids are younger earlier in their careers. And then often they're forced to again later when they're taking care of usually older parents, a a loved one, something like that. Uh, And so they are behind the eight ball. And I think a lot of financial plans are made where, where both people are going to be working full time. So there's a lot of adjustments that have to be made here.
5: Yeah, you brought up a a phrase, financial plan. And and I think out of all the and obviously we differ and you make a really valid point about if the marriage doesn't work out. But I I think one of the most disturbing statistics out of this study by Goldman Sachs is that uh, women are much less likely to consult with a financial planner. Mm -hmm. And if you're behind the eight ball with your finances and retirement planning, how do you get back on track if you don't in a professional. I, you know, they, they, females for whatever reason, uh, and the numbers bear out that they tend to talk to family members about this, which is great if your family member is a CFP or comfortable <laughs> with financial planning. But generally, that's that's not going to be the case. So if you're behind the eight ball and you don't want to take professional advice, I'm not sure what the answer is for a successful retirement.
2: I think advice is fine. I think getting advice yeah. from from loved ones and family members that you trust is one thing, but you have to understand that a financial plan is about more than investing, right? It's figuring out the tax consequences of, of certain moves that you could make in sure. retirement and not make. It's this holistic plan. It's thinking through long term care insurance and life insurance and and all of that. And I don't, I can't imagine that Uncle Bill or your dad or your cousin Jim are experts on all of those things. And so I think while it's fine to get advice from family members, you also need someone who's a professional in your corner who's helped other people, you know, men, women, couples, whatever it is, get safely into retirement in a way that, you know, you can continue your lifestyle that you were living before. And so I I agree with you that probably my number one concern from this study is that women are not finding themselves financial advisors, and I'll take it one step further because I've also seen Research show that usually the woman lives longer and within 18 months of their husband passing away they have left that financial advisor that the husband was working with uh, and either are trying to do it on their own or finding someone else which is why I'm saying regardless of what age it is that you as a couple are shopping around to find a financial advisor make it someone that both of you can relate to and talk to
5: well, both of you can relate to and talk to and make sure the financial advisor is talking to both of yes. you. I have seen Looking time and time again where, where for whatever reason, especially a male financial advisor tends to lock eyes with the male investor or potential investor and the female spouse is kind of left out in the cold. And and if that's your experience, man, keep shopping because it, it you really both need to be comfortable with your advisor. There, there's no question about it. And there's plenty of advisors that are more than happy to talk to both spouses, not just one.
2: A few years ago I got a mailing from one of these big big firms, right national firms and every picture that was in the mailing uh, had a couple in it with an advisor. The advisor was all shaking hands with a man or looking directly at the man no and kidding. it was like wow in your face just think through these things. Here's the all worth advice. Hire a qualified fiduciary advisor to help you because they understand each person's financial world is unique, whether you're a man or a woman. Coming up next, the number one reasons workers say they're going back to the office and it's not the same as it once was. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Are you back in the office, maybe after working from home during the pandemic? What's the number one reason you think it pays to go into the office? New research shows uh, it is because you think you're maybe more efficient when you're working in the office, which is a bit of a change, Steve, from maybe where we were before the pandemic and, and certainly where we were during the pandemic, which was you just wanted to go back to the office to see people and socialize.
5: Yeah, I I mean, this pandemic, I'm not going to say something good came out of it, but what what a study this has been for the entire world. Can we operate as a global economy? From our homes, and and the answer is yes, and and then the follow-up question is, can we operate successfully, comfortably? You know, and and that's where it's starting to get a little uh, dicey. I, I know my my son out in Phoenix, um, he works uh, from home all the time, and he's now being required to go in once a week. He enjoys it, but he enjoys working from home a lot more. I love working from the office. I know you like working from home. Everybody is in a different different situation but you know, I, the socializing of being in the office to me is super important. And I think some good work gets done from socializing.
2: I agree. And I think that's why I kind of look at it as when I'm in the office, we're collaborating, we're working together. But I do find that kind of sitting down at my desk and getting stuff done, projects that are individual, is a little more difficult for me. So we'll see if this all continues to continue to change. Thanks for listening tonight. Tune in tomorrow. We're talking about the big November inflation numbers, what it means to you. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station.